John Keats once wrote, Heard melodies are sweet, but those unheard are sweeter. Therefore, ye soft pipes, play on. Well, the melodies of my guest today are about as sweet as they come. He's one of those guys whose songs foretell a future that will surely be rich and melodic and filled with sheer pop wonder. So yes, by all means, play on. And on and on. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. about a boy in chords. Now, before a boy in chords was a boy in chords, he was a boy in trousers. That's right. When I first met the Irish-born singer-songwriter, he was crushing it in the indie clubs with his band Trousers. Oh, and I should tell you, he was in San Francisco, so that's how I came into contact with his music. It was all happening here in the Bay Area. Now, As for trousers, what did they sound like? Well, they were punchy, jangly, and pretty much perfect. They had kind of a Aztec camera thing going on. Well, here, have a listen. Trousers fan. I went to a bunch of shows, and by the way, I've listened to that song a million times, and it's still as fresh as ever. Okay, back to our story. So, after Trousers folded, many years went by. A boy in chords headed back to Ireland eventually, got married, started a family. Yeah, a tale as old as time, but a very good tale indeed. But in between all that domesticity, Something happened, and that something is something I'll let him tell you about. But before we get to that, let me tell you this. The Aztec camera vibe has matured into something more along the lines of a prefab sprout groove. 
And as a result, the songs of a boy in chords are startlingly lovely pop wonders that are lush, rich, and deeply textured. His work just makes me thirsty for more, hence the Keats quote that I started with. A boy in chords' path may just be beginning, but he knows the roads well, and he's already halfway up the mountain. The songs he's got in his satchel are brilliant, and they'll only yield more and more and more. And we'll all be the luckier for it. So, let me introduce you. Here's a boy in chords and me having a conversation. Right here on Stereo Embers. The podcast. This used to be a garage, um, and uh, so so we moved we moved out to the depths of the countryside um, last September, and uh, thankfully the, the 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 garage that was separated from the house, but bizarrely it's a it's a garage that you couldn't actually get a car into because there's no way of getting in. So I don't know I don't know what it was built for, uh, but it was perfect. So I just knocked out the retained some some of the walls, and turned it into my studio. Um, so I don't know if you can see there. I've got my my guitars hanging up yeah. on the wall, and I've got a nice seating area. I've got a little bar, and uh, yeah, I've I've compacted all of my music recording equipment into uh you know i don't need a whole lot like i'm sure i'm sure you know you don't these days i sold all my old rack equipment years ago and mm. uh, i'm just producing music with uh uh you know with, with with small devices which is great yeah oh. so it's a good space uh purposely didn't put a tv in here so uh there was no way uh there's no interest for any of my kids to be coming in here <laughs> getting involved um so it's perfect you um your studio looks like what i want my office to look like but my office looks like this it's not uh not quite up to snuff but i'll mine is going to look like yours one day okay okay well well uh yeah the um the 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 kind of the, the whole uh vibe i think tied together with with this little kind of rock and roll hand hand sign there that i got on amazon without that it was just a regular old room but i did buy some um really cool mid-century uh kind of furniture in um this place called called sutton in ireland there's a woman who imports them uh from uh copenhagen so I got my hands on a couple of pieces, uh, and and you know I have guests can 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 stay in here. So I'd I'd have like friends of mine who are musicians, and we might do late night sessions, and they can sleep in here because the 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 couch falls down and, and all of that. So um, the guitar that's hanging on the wall is that a is that a Rickenbacker the one on the on the or is that a is that a Gretsch? What is the one on the right? I'll, I'll bring that. Yeah, that guy. Over. So this is my yeah. This is a guitar that I've wanted since I was 15 years of age. It's a oh. Grex uh, 6120. 
and uh, it was uh, I think you know the, the first time I um, I saw Robbie Frame play he had one of these yep. so I actually bought this in San Francisco this um, guitar I mean it's flawless and I bought it new but it's probably like almost 30 years old now um uh yeah so i've got this this is this is my my baby and then i've got a, a lovely uh um kind of vintage but perfect condition fender uh, uh jaguar uh and a bass and i've got so i've got a lovely handmade irish acoustic guitar and then stupidly hell let me hang this back up for a oh second. yeah um i made him show me his guitars they're just glowing so nicely on the wall. I sold all these beautiful guitars that I that I had. I had this like 1956 uh, Gretsch Rancher acoustic guitar that I bought in Noe Valley. Speaking of Noe Valley, when you decided to leave San Francisco, did you have to get rid of a lot of stuff? Yeah. So I like I I, I stupidly sold some things when I moved back to Ireland. I sold this beautiful. Uh, pinline Telecaster, so one of those Telecasters with an F hole um, that I'd had uh, customized uh, for me. I, I had friends who worked for actually Simon, who um, was in trousers with me. Simon worked for uh, the company Modulus that makes amazing bases. So Modulus customized this Telecaster for me, and I I, I sold them all. Um, baby, baby number two was arriving, and I needed some money. Um, I also, yeah, and I, I just regret it. I regret it all so much. I also sold uh, this uh, 1971 BMW 3.0 CS that I'd bought in San Francisco, and I shipped it back to Ireland. Um, and I sold, I sold it to this Polish guy in the depths of winter. And I said, what are you going to do with this? And he goes, I'm driving it to Poland. And I was like, Dude, I, like I wouldn't even drive this down to the shops. This hasn't been driven. This hasn't been driven in two years. Uh, but off he went. I always wondered what happened to that car. Did he make it to Poland in it, um, or, or, or not? But um, yeah, so lots of regrets. But I'm happy with what I have now. It's all compact. That um, um, that sounds the beginning of a of, of it sounds the be <laughs> it sounds like the beginning of an indie film. You know, like an Irish guy sells his BMW to a Polish guy who's trying to drive it to Poland. From it sounds like, it just sounds like a very plot driven uh, 90s indie film. It really does. You're absolutely right. It really <laughs> does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He so, gave me, he gave me, so he paid me in cash and then he gave me this little uh, bottle of um, what I would describe as poison, but he described as uh, vodka. Um, I, I had one sip of it and I said, no, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with this. It was a tradition apparently, but anyway, anyway. Well, you and I met, you, I know you don't remember this cause it was so obscure, but I met you at the Starry Plow in probably 98. Jesus, that's a long time ago. I know. And I, I said to you, you were holding that guitar and I said to you, you guys sound like Rod, like like Aztec Camera, and isn't that the guitar that Roddy Frame plays? And you said, "Yes, it does." And thank you for saying that. And that was our conversation. Wow! Wow! Okay. Yeah. Well, I certainly do remember playing in the Starry Plow. Um, I think that was. I think we only played a couple of times there. So yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Well, it was very good of you to come up and say hello because <laughs> I think if you hadn't, we we wouldn't be 
you wouldn't be chatting now. No, um, and I was even going to pull out my trousers uh, cassette for you to show you, but I still have it. But um, no, wait, yeah, wow. I do. It's here. Anyways, here somewhere. I'm going to, I might find it before this interview is over. Um, I was thinking, you know, the last time I talked to you in person, I told you that you sound like Aztec camera. And now today, A Boy in Chords reminds me so much of Prefab Sprout. And I'm thinking, I'm wondering if the location where you are, which is so pastoral, I wonder if that's informed the music. Well, it's okay. Let me tell you how I came to doing a boy in chords. Um, uh, because, like, I describe it as a mixture of, like, kind of a personal meltdown and um, pandemic listlessness. So, you, you know, like I, I played in, like, so I lived in San Francisco a long time. I, I played, I played in bands. Um, uh, I lived in, in New York for a while and, and I didn't play in bands, but I played a lot of music myself and I wrote and recorded a lot, but I never did anything with it. Um, and then I moved back to Ireland. I've been here, it must be 16, 17 years now. And, uh, you know, I was just kind of writing. I've always written a lot. Um, I'm just, you know, leaving stuff, volumes and volumes and volumes of songs that, you know, never went further than just a vocal and a guitar. Um, and, and then sometimes, you know, I'd spend time and record more. But and I started having kids and we had a house with very little space in it. Um, and as you know, as much as I was always obsessed with music and writing, it just it it, it kind of fell out of my life. Um, and the the reason why um, I got so back into it and started writing, and I'll tell you a little bit about my my kind of process now is, um, so you know, the pandemic happened. Um, in a way, you know, aside from all the awfulness of it and, and you know, the, the heartache that some families suffered and the world suffered, I kind of enjoyed it because I liked, um, you know, spending time uh, on, on my own. But we had just sold our house two weeks before the first lockdown in Ireland. And Ireland's lockdowns were like really strict. So you were limited to two kilometers um, from, from where you lived. So we, we basically had two weeks to find uh, a place to live. And um, every place we went to look for was, you know, just immediately snapped up by somebody else. So through a friend of a friend, we ended up getting this place in uh, a place in Enniscary in County Wicklow. And to be honest with you, we, we looked at it for literally five minutes and we didn't give a shit. Like we just said, we'll take it. We'd only, we didn't even remember how many bedrooms it had or anything. We were that desperate. We've got three kids. We needed a roof over our heads and we had two weeks to do it. So we move into this house pretty much immediately. And me and my wife look at, look at each other and go, what the fuck have we done? Like this place is, is way too big for us. It was on six acres and it had a forest and a river at the bottom of, of, well, not the garden, of the field. And there was deer all over the place and red squirrels and everything. And, and we'd been in it two weeks and, and COVID kicked off. So all of a sudden we're like, wow, this is a phenomenal place to be if you can't go anywhere. So I finally had space um, to set up music equipment 
And so I, I, I did that, but at the same time, and I, there, was a, there was a variety of things. Like I think there was a lot going on in my life, the stress of you know, maybe having nowhere to live and, and, and all that sort of stuff. I ended up having a lot of panic attacks um, and uh, you know, really bad anxiety. And I ended up in hospital. And, and I, uh, this is very Irish, I, I, you know, afterwards I told my parents, you know, I've, I've been having these really bad panic attacks and I went into hospital this that, and that. My, my dad, my dad's response was, ah, geez, I've been having those for years. Um, you know, we, just, we don't share those things. And then I found out that my brother suffered from it as well. So he gave me great advice. Um, he got me a, a transcendental meditationist. I did a course in transcendental meditation. You know, I had to take some, uh, I had to take some, some, some pills for a while, but, but you know, didn't have to take them for too long. But what it did for me was, it made me start thinking about mortality because I don't know, like if you know, people who suffer um, from anxiety a lot. Certainly, I did when, when I was having them. I was like, Jesus Christ, I, like I think I might die right now. And, and I started thinking about time and I started thinking about mortality. And the first thing that entered my mind was, I, I've, I haven't done what I want to do with music. And um, it was almost like, you know, the, that Nick Drake song, The, the, the Black Dog. Um, I felt like um, I kept having this recurring feeling like, you know, I, might, I mightn't have that long. Uh, and I was being, you know, totally, um, over the top of it but that's what was in my head so I set up my I set up my equipment and I started writing and something happened I I wrote in a way that I've never written before so I, I put this set of rules in where if I didn't hit on a melody that I thought was catchy enough to 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 play on radio um then it was ditched immediately so I didn't I didn't just I just didn't bother trying to finish a song unless it was going to be really really high quality. Now obviously this is all my own opinion, um, and uh, you know others may think it's a pile of crap, but this was my this was this was what kind of defined what I was doing. So I didn't pick up the guitar. I was always you know a guitar player, and I wrote I wrote songs on guitar. So what I would do instead was I would find, you know, a noise, a melody, like a little keyboard hook that I'd play. And I'd just record like five seconds of it. And then I would sing over it. And every time I did that, I came up with a new song that had, you know, a really strong hook and, you know, uh, a good lyric set that, that it just, it was just, it was weird. It was just effortless. Um, it was like it had been waiting there for a long time and, and, and suddenly it all started coming out. So within, um, I think, three to six months, I'd, I'd written and fully recorded about 15 tracks. Um, wow. I think 10 of which, like I, I, was, I was starting and finishing tracks completely like mixing and mastering in, in two days because I was so locked into it. And I knew it just, it, it was just so organic. So that's what I started doing. And, uh, you know, and, and because for years, I just sat on all these songs in tapes. So, you know what, I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna do something with these. 
because I like them. And, you know, there's certain people like, right, it's not, it's probably not mass market music, but there's people like me and, and you, for example, who have very similar tastes in music. Um, so I kind of went, well, you know, if those sort of people, um, you know, that's all, that's all I want, just people who are really into, into music, into that kind of indie pop genre. I'd love if a few people, you know, got a bit of enjoyment out of them. So I decided I would, I would uh, just finish them, do them quickly, not fuck around with stuff that wasn't gonna, you know, that, 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 that had to take any effort really. So in a way it was a mix of what one might look about as laziness. Like why didn't I pursue and work hard at trying to, you know, really unlock a, a brilliant song but i just felt like i just don't have time for 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 that anymore i just I, I work quick now and it's been a phenomenal experience for me and i'm really i'm really happy with what i've produced i've really i'm really proud and this like this is going to sound like a, possibly a conceited or stupid thing to say but my main problem is i can't stop writing um Every time I, you know, switch my equipment on and, and work on this same process, something new and what I feel is worthy comes out. So I had to draw a line because it was never going to, well, I'm sure it would have stopped or dried up one day. But you have that thing in your head, shit, do I just keep going at this? Because it's going to dry up one day and it won't be there. And then um, something, uh, something happened that made me kind of just, Put a, put a stop to it. Uh, so um, I sent I sent the track "Stupid Like That," the one that's the the first single, to um, to a friend of mine. I hadn't really sent it to to uh, many people, but I sent it to a friend of mine who happens to work for uh, Netflix. Uh, and I thought, because I thought, well, it's maybe the sort of track that would work quite well on, on you know, a, a movie or a TV show or something like that. And I had one specific TV show in mind. Um, uh, and it's a, it's a reality show um, in, in the UK called Made in Chelsea. And, you know, it's been a guilty pleasure of mine for years. Like I never told, I didn't even tell my wife I watched this show um, because, you know, if you're cool, you're not, you're not allowed to watch shows like that. So I was watching this show for years on the sly but I was watching it with Shazam in hand and I found so much music on it. And, and what the way that show treats music is it, uh, rather than having the music in the background, it pulls it into the foreground. Um, so there'll be a scene and then the music will come into focus. So I was kind of thinking, wow, that's, you know, what a great way to get exposure and it's yeah. so unique. Anyway, through the, the jigs and the reels, my friend ended up sending it to the music supervisor for Made in Chelsea got onto me immediately and said, um, I, I love that song, I, wa I want to use it. Um, and then um, she said, do you have any others? I, I sent her a few others and she's just really complimentary. Um, she liked quite a few of the tracks. So um, she said, yeah, look, I'm going to use this. So I signed a, um, you know, I, I signed a, a kind of a sync uh, deal. So then all of a sudden I was like, shit, I better release this track because to take advantage of the sync, it's got to be out there. So that's because I, I like, I'm terrible at this. I could have been just still sitting on this track and not have released it. Hmm. But now I've had the impetus to do it. So that's why I've released it. 
Um, and I'm really excited uh, to release my next one. I'm an extra one, and I'm going to put out an album. So I'm going to do probably three singles, and then and then put an album out, uh, and just put a little bit of time in in between each one. You said something really interesting to me that, you know, an artist without an outlet is 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 in a dangerous place, right? Like I don't think that's healthy um, for an artist. To, be, to not have a creative outlet for their art. And I, I love hearing that you found that art soothed you, healed you, was therapeutic to you, um, and that it also made you insanely happy. Yeah, that's I mean, absolutely how, it. Yeah, right? And, and you know what, for, for years, you know, for years, that's 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 been enough. Now I hadn't gone through the the shit time that I went through, uh, you know, with the the anxiety and all of that before, but but you know, I've always looked at music. So like, you know, I look back at all the years I played music. So you know, I was in a band when I was seventeen years of age that got signed by Capitol Records in LA. Um, I was the guitar player, and, and I left. What was that the band? Then? Because that, that was a band called the Devlins. I, okay, so um, I love the Devlins. I didn't know. I didn't know. I yeah, I mean, I got the Drift album when it came out, and probably, I don't know, that would have been like '99. Oh yeah, yeah. So Colin's Colin's a really good friend of mine. Actually, Colin uh, mastered uh, "Stupid Like That" for me. Um, okay. He lives in he lives in LA, and uh, so yeah, Colin's Colin's a really good friend of mine, and I, he actually he's, he's a godfather to my my youngest daughter. Holy cow! So, so um, Colin and his brother, Sean, is that right? Or is it? Peter. Peter. Okay. Colin and his brother were in the Dublins, but you, you had made the decision. I mean, you guys got signed to Capitol and you're 17. That would be the moment to stay. I just want to, I'm just curious as a quick sidebar, why you decided to leave. Yeah. So, okay. Well, there was a, there was a couple of things. Like I was, I was the guitar player um, in, in the band and, you know, Colin's an amazing songwriter. Um, but I also loved writing songs, so that 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 was one that was one thing. Um, uh, but the other was, um, you know, the deal was, you know, the deal was Colin and Peter's deal, um, and you know, I I would have, um, you know, and as much as as much fun as it would have been, you know, I would have been, you know, kind of a a, a kind of touring musician, I guess, of of sorts. But also, you know, I needed I needed a third level education. Um, mm. Uh, you know, I've been a careful, maybe too careful of a person all my life. So I went to college, um, uh, Colin dropped out um, uh, and, and uh, Colin's a couple of years older than me. So I think he had dropped out at the point where I was just starting. So I was just going into university. So that's, that's what I did. But, you know, and then played in band. But, but just to get back to what we were talking about, you know, for me, for years, it's been it's been enough, you know, the love of it, the the things, the places that music has taken me. Like when I was, I don't know, I still can't believe my parents let me do this. When I was sixteen, I busked all around Europe, like jumping on trains, um, you know, and met so many people, and and that's what. So it's been a pleasure of meeting people and then playing. But you know, at some point, that's that's not enough. Um, right, and you wanna you wanna release something, um, and I've you know I, I gotta laugh because I'm like Jesus, I've left it very late in life, you know, to number one, in, in, as far as I'm concerned, find find my way of of writing 
find my way of writing well and and then actually getting around to release something and creating a brand um in in a boy and chords and you know doing promo and and, and all of that stuff um uh so so yeah but you know regardless of what happens with this i just you know like i just love I just love music and I, I call myself a, you know, a, a musical pervert because I listen to everything and I'm open to everything. And um, uh, yeah, so yeah, sorry, I've been, I've been, I've been rambling, but I think no, we're, no. we're in the same territory of, 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 yeah, that's, you know, that's why I do, but now, but now I, I just, I just love other people to get a, to get a chance to hear it. Yeah. And and by the way, you went to university in the States. Did you and, and, and Colin both do it here or in Ireland? No, we were in we were in Ireland and then I got um I got a green card. Um so that's how I ended up in San Francisco. Myself and Simon uh both got green cards at the same time. I was in the same university as Simon. We didn't really know each other that well. We were we were like we had um kind of a, a group of, of similar friends. So we, we you know, we, we, we had some crossover, but we weren't really good, you know, mates or anything, but we ended up being on the same flight when we moved to San Francisco um, and, and became roommates and started playing music together and, and, uh, and all that. And Simon, obviously, as you know, is in, uh, he's, he's still over there. He, he lives in Oakland um, yeah. Uh, now, yeah. Those, um, those trouser songs were so, because you sang all of them, right? Uh, I did. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I did. Um, Simon did. Yeah, Simon did backing vocals. Yeah. Um, Simon, Simon, like Simon's got a gorgeous voice, um, and you know Simon writes. Um, I don't know if you've heard any of the stuff that he's written himself, but he writes. He writes beautiful songs. Like he's just a phenomenal musician. Um, like they'll kill me for saying this, but. You know some of the stuff that that he writes is is I feel is very Paul McCartney esque. Like you know, there's just beautiful. He's a great guitar player, um, and he's but he's um, he he's never been you know not wanted to be kind of the the front man singer. Um, I don't even know Simon if you're listening. I don't even know if you consider yourself a good or a bad singer, but I think you're great, um, and, and I love his voice. So Simon, yeah, sang sang backing vocals. So yeah, I did. I think I think I did. I think I did them all. Maybe there was one. There was one track that Simon um, Simon uh, sang. One of one of the, the ones that he wrote as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the way it worked. They were then, so punchy and so um, just pure, just pure pop pleasure. They're just absolutely. It's, it's one of my favorite. Like I still listen to it. All these years later, like it's still, I played on my radio show. People love it. Like it's really evergreen, and it really has, um, you know, continued on in its life. Uh, you know, trousers, trousers lives on at least through my radio show. Did you guys only do those oh, eight, wow. eight or nine tracks? Were there were there more trousers songs, or was that it? Oh, there was a lot. Yeah, I mean, they were the only ones we recorded. But again, you know, going back to the amount of songs that um, I, I was writing. Um, yeah, we would have had a lot of tracks that we that we played live, but but never actually recorded, and um, for the simple reason that we just couldn't afford to. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, um, so you know, I I ended up uh, um, 
I'll, I'll send you this maybe after the show. Um, uh, Simon just turned 50. I, I wrote a song for him um, that chronicles uh, our entire relationship in, t in 10 minutes. It's called Fast Friends. Um, uh, Simon uh, is, was actually like a kind of a champion sprinter in, in Ireland. So um, the, 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 the song, yeah, it, 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 chronicles, uh, it chronicles kind of our, our, our friendship. It's interesting because you were saying that you you consider yourself cautious, but but busking across Europe at sixteen, moving to San Francisco without really knowing anybody—those are not cautious moves. Those are pretty brave. Yeah, I guess so. Um, you know, I'm one of those people that um, uh, if I think about, I spend too much time thinking about things, and when I think about things, I talk myself out of them. So any of the things that I did you know, that would be considered as, you know, not cautious. I just didn't think about it. I just, I just kind of jumped into it. Um, you know, I'd have this philosophy that, you know, if you're a decent person um, and, you know, the, 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 the phrase in Ireland, if you're, if you're a sound person and good people that, you know, usually you're going to land on your feet and, and bad things aren't going to happen. And, you know, I've, I've lived, uh, uh, you know, kind of a, a lifestyle of being. I think I help decent, decent people. So, yeah, I never felt that there was any risk in involved in those things. Um, but yeah, when you overthink things, I think of music a lot. You know, you overthink, and this is why I love the way I'm writing at the moment because I'm just not overthinking it. I'm operating in that I'm going to get on a train and I'm going to busk around Europe. Frame, frame of mind, like mm. the very first thing that comes out of my mouth is the first lyric and it doesn't you know that's what's going to be in the song and now i'll re-record vocals and i'll i'll layer and i'll build and stuff like that but but um it's it's interesting when i listen back to like let's say the very first hit of record back down to the actual final finished and mixed hasn't changed all all that much so yeah it's just go for a gut instinct um and, and, a, and a feel for it really um but the trouser stuff, just to yeah, your point, and thank you so much for saying that. I think that was, you know, the wild abandon of youth, um, you know, and the huge influence certainly of, you know, uh, Scottish music, um, yeah. post postcard records bands, you know, that I grew up listening to. My 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 eldest brother Colin took me to see Astor Camera. Um, on the when they were playing Highland Hard Rain, they just released it in this um, little place in called McGonagall's in Dublin. I must have been about twelve or thirteen, I think, um, and I was just so overwhelmed by the music. And I would hear that record being played through his, you know, with thin walls in our family home. I'd hear that record being played all the time, and I, I became obsessed with it. And I went out and I bought a guitar and I sat in front of the record player just until I could play every one of those songs on, on the guitar. And they're tricky, tricky ass songs to play. There's so many chords in them. Um, but yeah, I just, be, I, be, I became so obsessed by that. But interestingly to your point and, and you know, what you were saying there about, about being evergreen, like I love, and I'm just, I'm so blown away by the music, the amount of amazing music that's been released now. And you hear bands, I don't know if you know these guys, uh, Dayglow. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think they're like probably a very young uh, American band. Um, they write phenomenal songs. 
um, really catchy, really super catchy, jangly pop. And like for me, I'm like, oh, these guys must love Aztec Hammer. Maybe they've never even heard of them. But that kind of indie pop jangle thing has come back with like, you know, with a whole new kind of spirit through Gen Z. Um, and it's and it's amazing to hear because like I love that sort of music and now now I'm finding because you know you know you, you felt like I ran out, ran out of bands to listen to that were making music like that but now there's so many more of them out there um, you know I'm just I, I'm loving it and and that kind of inspires me to to you know kind of try and keep up with the youngsters in a way. Oh yeah, well there's something also about you know. Creativity is, you know, you're in your own company. You're not dealing with a band, you're dealing with yourself. And you become the arbiter of, of the work where you go, that's not up to snuff, that is. Um, and when you write something and you record something that you really love, you go, that was fantastic. But there's nobody else around you giving you any feedback aside from maybe your wife, maybe your daughters, or who knows. The Netflix um, stamp of approval must have really given you a jolt where you kind of went, oh, like I'm, I'm on this. I really am onto something. Because Netflix, I would imagine Netflix says no a lot more than they say yes. Yeah, well, it's actually, sorry. Netflix was, uh, my friend who works for Netflix was, um, you know, my conduit to, to the Maiden Chelsea show, which is actually uh, an E4, like a cha Channel 4 show. Um, so just for, you know, just for, for correctness, um, you oh, know, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't uh, Netflix, per se. That shows that show that they love them, and and subsequently, you know, I sent uh, uh, chat to a couple of other friends who work in the movie business who just you know I never asked them to do anything. I'm I'm quite shy about asking people for things. Um, I don't know why. I just I just am. But uh, so friends of mine, you know, who you know, be, you know they'd, they'd be pr pretty well connected. I'd send them to other music supervisors who had you know, very similar feedback. Love that one, I use it. So yeah, I guess for the first time in a long time, I went, okay, well, maybe this is okay. Maybe this is, maybe this is quite good because you're right. Right. Sometimes just having a clue. And to be honest, my, you know, I can't take my wife's feedback seriously uh, <laughs> because she's going to say, you know, she's going to plum off me. She's going to say everything is 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 nice because she's just, you know, she's lovely like that. My kids are a bit better. Like my my daughter Lulu, um, she she she's twelve. Um, she's got a really eclectic taste in music, and she can be quite cutting in her feedback. But you know what? She's she, and she let and she she's introduced me to a lot of music like these bands like Dayglow that you know I wouldn't have heard of before. She listens. She hears them on TikTok, but um. Yeah, I take her advice um, and I'll change things. And it's amazing to hear a 12 year old almost like be a producer because yeah. she'll go like, uh, you know, those harmonies need to be pulled down. And uh, she actually did backing vocals for me on, on, uh, on, a, on a track that, that I hope to release. I'm going to release it next summer because it's a real summery jangle. I think, I think you'll like it. It's a, it's a real Aztec Camry type type one um that's that's super catchy so but but you're right aside from that i hadn't sent it i hadn't sent them to anybody i feel weird about sending people songs i don't you know i never wanted to come across as in like hey look what i've done you know you know what i mean yeah um and that's 
stupid. Maybe it's very Irish. I don't know what it is, but like, it certainly doesn't help you get ahead in life. Um, uh, you know, and 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 but I'm 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 glad I did it now. I've been I've been like kind of a close but no cigar guy for a long time in music. So um, the guy actually who signed the Devlins, um, I, I don't know if you if you, you would have heard of him, a guy called Hale Milgram. Um, he was the CEO. He was the CEO of Capitol Records back in the nineties. Um, and so years, years after I'd left the Devlins, I'd moved to San Francisco. Um, I'd left, or I now remember, I now remember my point on Simon's song. It was, uh, I covered about, so I, I quit, I quit trousers and, you know, I felt eternally bad for it, you know, kind of breaking up the band that, you know, my, my best friend and, and, and two other really close friends and Daniel and Derek were, were in. And, and so part of that song that I wrote for him was, was an apology uh, section in it. Um, so I started, I, when I quit, I did it because I, I, I just, I, I wanted to, you know, I was focused on at that time, I wanted to try to get a deal. Um, and I felt like I was having to do everything, like making all the phone calls to the record companies and getting all the turn down. So, I just, I, you know, I bought my own equipment. I started recording, I started writing a lot, and I put together um, five tracks. Uh, and just out of the blue, I sent it to Hale Milgram. Colin Devlin gave me uh, his his uh, phone number um, or email, and I just sent it to him. Right, so, uh, and then I come home from work one day, and the phone rings about seven in the evening, and my girlfriend that time goes hey Graham uh, this guy called Hale Milgram on the phone for you he wants to talk to you I'm like holy shit so I get on the phone and he goes Graham uh, you sent me uh, you sent me five songs right and I'm like yeah I did uh, I did Thank thanks for the call and he said I don't um, you know I don't typically call people um, you know who I am, right? And he wasn't saying it in a braggy way, but I said, yeah, no, I'm very aware of who you are. And he goes, I'm calling you because I think your, your music is amazing. Um, and uh, I, uh, here's what I would do with you. And, you know, he's talking about record deals. And anyway, on the phone, he critiqued the five songs that I'd sent him. And he was like, song number one, 10 out of 10. Uh, song number two, nine out of ten. There was one song on that said that he said it wasn't my favorite, but you know I'd still give it a five out of ten. So this guy was giving me phenomenal feedback, and inside my heart's racing. And I'm like, fuck, this is this is gonna happen. This is gonna happen. And um, and he goes, so you know, you know, you know, I signed like The Cure and Crowded House, and and he's listing off all these amazing bands, and I'm like. Instagram and wow, this guy likes likes what I'm doing. And he ends the call with, but um, listen, the uh, my position in in capital has has just ended. So uh, there was some sort of fallout. I thought he got some sort of golden handshake, and he walked off into the sunset with a bunch of money. And he said, Graham, I've I have two options here. Right, number one is I'm going to start my own label. And I'm going to sign you as my first act, and we're going to work here, and we're and and it's going to be great. Or my other passion um, is environmental, um, and this was you know years before anybody you know really even thought about sustainability. 
so he went he went with option two so um uh so it didn't it didn't happen for me and i had so many situations like that in my life where i'm like look they just this maybe it's not meant to be and that mm. maybe had me switch up as well so now now i'm at, now i'm at the stage where like no expectations i've released this single um you know and and i've been pushing it in ireland and i'm just blown away by the reaction so far it's getting national radio play like pretty much every day um well yeah, it's 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 getting a lot of radio play, and it's it's interesting. It's getting a good mix, uh, like because it's it is quite an indie sounding sounding track. But I tried to, uh, and this is accidental, but uh, you know the sort of music I like is a kind of a crossover of you know kind of what I would consider to be mainstream indie pop. Um, so I think my songs in theory would work for you know daytime radio as well as uh, you know some of the more specialist shows. It's a good day. The seasons are changing and my mood swings tapped out. Unlike my old ways, there's no. Like your game face and your 
must be incredibly gratifying to be creating in this in this private space and then suddenly what is private goes public and in a really nice way where people are getting behind it um that must just be so validating not that you needed it to be but it's nice that it is oh it's so nice that it is and people are, like people are so nice about it as well um uh you know and, and, and it'll be interesting um you know i'd love to i'd love to obviously replicate the success that i'm having here off this first single in in the uk and and in the us um and i have a particular eye on japan um uh, as well because um you know not not to, not to make a an awful sweeping statement, but you know, indie pop uh, and Japan just to me go 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 kind of hand in hand. Yeah, um, yeah. In terms of of a, of a viable market, um, but so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But but the, the like the DJs um, on national radio are just so warm, and you know, you you send them a message of thanks on Instagram afterwards, and they chat back with you, and they do lovely intros for you. So it's not just, they don't just play the track and say that was by such and such. They play the track and they talk about you, um, and they tee it up, and then they talk about it afterwards. And um, so that's, that's yeah, I mean, that's really lovely. And, and I do kind of, I'm pinching myself, um, uh, you know, because as you kind of, as you, as you intimated there, start you know started in a little room on my own um just me and um and i'm just delighted that other people are listening to it and i'm getting nice feedback and that obviously spurs me on um to want to do to want to do more i just hope that you know i i stay grounded like i've always been and not get greedy and want more more and more because that's when that's when the disappointment kicks in you know you know right you have to sort of like remove the ego from the creative process, not, not from the creative process, but from the marketing process where it's sort of like, here are the songs, do with them what you will. I've like for you as a therapeutic tool, that's the most important thing as a, right? It's a creative outlet. It's spiritually calming and satisfying. Anything else, as we say in America, would be just gravy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, no, you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. You're right. Um, I feel, yeah. I mean, what it's done for me from even just the mental health perspective on its own is, has been great. Um, you know, and actually, and I've been thinking about this recently. Um, and, you know, a lot of it is that, well, for me anyway, the less time I spend in my own head, the better off I am, uh, you know, kind of from a mental health perspective, because I do have a habit of, you know, going to dark places and, thinking dark, dark thoughts. But when I'm playing music and when I'm recording and writing, I'm, you know, I'm just so consumed by it. And you might start at 5 p.m. and and you look at your watch and all of a sudden it's 3 a.m. So you've had no time to think dark thoughts. Right. You, you know, and and all, you know, and and it's weird as well. I've got this strange kind of like a yin and yin and yang or, or, or juxtaposition that you know, I'm writing what I think is, you know, for the most part, really happy, jolly music against a backdrop of, you know, uh, you know, a head that's been quite negative. Um, so that's got to help too, right? That's got to help just bring a bit of bit of balance and sunshine into your into your life. That that and the yellow the yellow top. <laughs> it's very you know, it's very perky, Graham. Color, um, but you know, colored cords that I wear. Yeah, it's interesting because I think that you, 
there's a clarifying element where now that you are creating, and by the way, I got to tell you, it's, it's, it's cool to tell you this face to face, but like for the last, whatever it's been since 97, 98, 25 years, or that has been, you've been like one of my favorite singer songwriters, even with just eight or nine trouser songs, I put you up there with all my favorite guys like Roddy Frame, like Patty, like those songs on the, on, that I know my initial um, education of your work um, like I think about those songs a couple of times a week, but they're, they're like a part of my DNA almost, right? They're, they're amazing work. And so uh, it's really gratifying yeah. as, as a fan, I get to hear more of your work. It makes me insanely happy. So. Oh my God. That, well, that, that, that's just the nicest thing I think anyone ever said to me. And you know what? I, I must dig through, um, uh, I don't know if you still have a kit. A cassette player I must dig through I've got tapes and tapes and tapes of trouser stuff I'll have a dig through and maybe just for old time's sake I'll see what I can find because there's a lot of tracks that, that that you know that you that you won't have heard um I'll, I'll see what I can I see what I can dig out that's um, awesome I mean, yeah I don't know about you I'd love to ask you uh, a question like for me um for me this feels slightly different to trousers or maybe a progression do you, or does does it feel does it feel very similar to 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 you well it's kind of a cool thing because to me let's just say trousers had stayed together for 25 years this sounds like what would have happened on the 10th album right okay okay right that's right? interesting yeah. yeah so like this would have been like where i would have thought it would have gone and the, and and if i look at like Look at Aztec Camera, right? They, you know, Highland Hard Rain, and then Knife is such a different record. It's not as punchy. It's a little more spread out. By the time you get to um, the last Aztec Camera album and then Roddy's solo stuff, it becomes more lush, more spread out. The hooks are still there, but it just becomes a little more um, sophisticated in in its um, composition. And so, um, yeah. Yeah. so, to me, this feel this feels to me like you know, albums two through nine, <laughs> we didn't get to hear, but you're on album 10 now. And this is where you would have progressed to. So for, to me, it feels like, a, like the most organic progression I can wow, think. Wow, that's, that's, that's really, that's really interesting. Cause yeah, it's, it's impossible for me to have that, have that sort of uh, perspective, I guess. Just for context, I can't remember. Um, obviously I sent you uh, the, the single, did I send you, um, did I send you a load of songs on SoundCloud? On SoundCloud? No, uh, no, well. just the single okay. and the, and I was going to ask you for more. Again, here's my, my the greedy fan is like, give me it all, Grant. I want to hear it all. I'm trying to, uh, I want to catch up and, and immerse myself in what, in what you've been doing. Yeah, look, I'll send you, look, I, I, I haven't, um, the only one thing that I've put kind of public on SoundCloud is, is, is stupid like that. But I think there's maybe, I think there's another, maybe 12 or 13 tracks um, in a private playlist that I'll, I'll send you right after this chat. Yeah. Um, or, or indeed I could, you know what? I can put it into chat maybe while we're chatting. Okay. I don't know, maybe. Um, uh, actually, no, I'm, I'll end up messing around and taking too long. Okay. I'll send it to you, I'll send it to you afterwards. There's, um, uh, yeah, so there's, 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 uh, there's a couple of tracks on there that, are going to be very different, um, I think, to what you'd what you'd expect. So I think maybe the first seven 
seven or so tracks on on that are ones that I feel I would I would release. Um, there's there's some others that like I just you know I just wouldn't want to put my name to them. Um, you know maybe they're for somebody else. Um, if I was so lucky to sell them on, but one track uh, called Drops is actually that's going to be released by a label um, uh, called Strength and Numbers. Um, I'm not I'm not sure when sometime this year. Uh, so that's a really for me that's a really interesting uh, track because. Um, it is it's 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 like maybe a psychedelic version of of the music that i that i write so i'd be really you know keen to uh get your reaction to that one i think you'll 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 really get the other ones i i think i i, I think but um yeah i'm excited for that one to be um to be released um so i i've been uh I connected with this guy uh, called Glenn Brady, who uh, would be quite well known in Ireland. He played with Cranberries. Um, uh, he's a he's a producer and a songwriter, um, and uh, he's got a he's got a new band called Death Nettle, actually, uh, who are great. So um, I just I sent him uh, I sent him a song. I think it was maybe it was the first songs that I, I wrote in this new batch. A song called Daffodils, just out of the blue. Um, and I knew him when we lived in New York, kind of. So anyway, we started chatting over email and sending each other songs and we built up this great rapport. So he's the one, he started this, this label, Strength in Numbers. So he's, he's putting out drops. But then I started working, playing on some of his stuff. So he's just released uh, a track called War Machine um, and it's worth a listen. So I played, uh, I wrote all the guitars and played all the guitars on that. and. And it's very, uh, uh, so it's kind of like a mixture of Duran Duran guitars and and maybe a little bit of ZZ Top. Uh, and wow. Cure, cure. It's very actually it's very seventeen seconds Cure style guitar um, stuff. But the big uh, <clears throat> the big buzz that I got from it, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> aside from working with Glenn, and it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful song. <clears throat> is Andy Rourke from the Smiths plays bass on it. So um, I tried I tried to tell my kids, hey, guess what? I've just collabed with, uh, you know, one of the guys from the Smiths. And they're like, who? <laughs> like, you, you, okay, I'm not even going to bother trying to tell you how happy I am about this. So yeah, that, that's a real like, um, so that, that track was just released um, a couple of weeks ago, it's doing really well uh, as well on, on Irish radio. So I'm plugging it here, Def Nettle, and it's called War Machine. I'm on guitars and Andy Rourke from the Smiths is on bass. And uh, I could die happy after after that collab, right? Yeah, I actually have a, an, a, an episode of this program with Andy um, that we're going to be airing pretty soon. I, I did oh, yeah. chat with him. It was uh, he was very nice, uh, it, but but kind of quiet in that sort of Mancunian way. And, um, but it's a really cool interview. So I'll be posting that. Um, oh, he's, uh, he's a lovely guy. Um, you know, it's funny. I remember Trousers being a really great live band. Um, I also, you know, I was 27 and I was still ruled by libido. And I went, how come all, there's always beautiful women at Trousers concerts. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> oh, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah yeah always yeah. well you, handsome lads um 
But well, yeah, you know what? We used to laugh. Uh, you, you remember that? Remember the Spice Girls all had um, all had their own names. So yeah. um, we had we had Spice Girl names that we called ourselves in trousers. So um, I was uh, I was short pants because I'm the smaller. I was the smallest in stature. Um, uh, Simon was uh, fancy pants because he had all these gorgeous guitar licks, and he used to—I don't know if you—he used to wear these like great tartan trousers on stage. Um, Derek, the bass player, was hot pants because he was the really good-looking one, and uh, and Daniel was no pants because uh, Daniel um, Daniel played in a dress most gigs with no underwear on and now nobody knew that because i don't think anyone saw uh, what was going on under the dress but yeah it was our own little joke that we had our own kind of spice girls names um you know i literally drew the short straw by being called short pants but whatever <laughs> well, uh being short in stature myself i can relate um but I do remember uh, that every time I was one time you guys were playing and I was looking around going like good god what's happening here uh it was fantastic but you know you were a great live band. Is there in the back of your head, are you thinking like maybe a gig or two? Would you be open to that? Is that something that you thought about like taking it public, public, public or? Yeah, I've thought, I've, I've, I've thought about it. And uh, the aforementioned Glenn uh, from Death Nettle is putting huge pressure on me to, cause he wants me to start playing gigs. Um, but to be honest, I'm going back to you know I'm 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 sticking to my focus on you know time is precious and you know and 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 just you know I love I love writing and recording don't get me wrong Jesus I'd love to play a gig but you know I'm put it this way I'd play I would definitely play a gig if there was a demand for it I'm mm. not going to go out and try and build a fan base by you know like what we used to do in San Francisco and in, in the trousers days I just you know just I don't I don't have time for it I don't have the appetite for it but you know were it to get to a stage where um you know I had enough uh you know listeners on Spotify and followers that you know I could I I, I could feel confident that you know a, a promoter would would could get me a good show that you know, had a good number of people at it. Well, then, yes, I would, and I'd love it. Um, it would take a lot of work because, you know, I would be old school in the way that I would want it all played live. Um, and there's a lot going on in those tracks, and I play them all myself. So, I, you know, I'd need to either hire session musicians. I just, I don't like the idea of being a guy up there with that beautiful orange Gretsch and triggering stuff from a laptop it just i think yeah you know, it's i think it's cheating uh the the people who pay money uh in into into see you um uh, and i just yeah I, I and also you know there's a rawness right to the to the to the live show versus versus that so there would be a rawness to the to the the, the polish that i have that i think would be really exciting um uh but yeah, so one day, but only only if people really want it. Really, that's that's my my answer. And also, do you do you and Colin Devlin? Do you guys talk about collaborating? Do you guys talk about doing stuff together? Um. Well, 
so Colin lives in LA and I live here, although he's, he's coming over in July, so he's going to be over here. Um, and now that I've got the studio uh, set up, like we, whenever we get together, we'll, we, we play. Um, but it's more that like, it's more kind of critiquing each other's uh, work and kind of, oh, maybe what if you did that there? And what if you did that there? As opposed to writing together. Um, because I, I, I think we've got very, very, like, so we have very similar tastes in music. You know, Colin, uh, you know, one of, one of the, I think one of the kind of, maybe not reasons, but one of the things that are connected so well with Colin when we first met is, you know, we both loved Prefab Spread and Paddy McAloon songwriting. We both loved Talk Talk and David Sylvian. And uh, he introduced me to the Blue Nile and you know so so we have so much music in common and he you know he likes what i make and i really like what he makes but but we don't write the same sort of music uh it's it's quite different now if, if you've ever heard you know some of colin's um uh more recent solo solo stuff it's so it's quite different to, to my sound so i'm not sure how that would work but it would be a lot of fun um you know, good idea. Uh, so when he's over and we've had a couple of glasses of wine, um, uh, we might we might well hit record and and see what comes out. You'll be the first to know if it happens. I was going to say, yeah, I, was gonna, I need to find out about these things. It's your idea. Um, You'll be executive producer because you came up with the idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be a, a cool pairing. You guys are both Dublin guys, right? You guys are both from Dublin. Yeah, 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 we are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Colin um, was actually, uh, Colin was um, a couple of years ahead of me in school. Um, and actually, uh, so we went to this, we went, we went to this school that was just, you know, the biggest jock school in the country. It was all sports. It was a big rugby school. And um, if you didn't play rugby, you were, you know, a weirdo or, an, or a nobody. Um, so those of us like, you know, kind of maybe slightly long hair in, 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 in high school and Colin would have as well. But we had this headmaster. His name was Father O'Brolicon. And he was the only one in the school, you know, with any power who actually didn't give a shit about sports. He was into music. And uh, I, um, I, I came on his radar because I sang at this, uh, I sang at this school show and the microphone was broken. And back then I was able to really belt stuff out. So he, he took me aside in the corridor one day and he said, I heard you singing the other day. Um, I was really impressed, you know, come up and chat to me in my office, you know. When a priest says that to you in an Irish Catholic school, you're like, ooh, this could end up, you know, in a bad place. But, you know, I rolled the dice. Um, he had a piano in his office. So um, when, when I hadn't done, let's say we had a, 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 you know, an exam or a test in class and I hadn't studied for it, I'd sit out beside the headmaster's office and I'd wait for him to come. So no one would ever question it. So the teachers, you know, we think, oh, he must be in trouble. I was sitting outside for waiting for the priest to arrive and I'd go into his office and he had a guitar and I'd play guitar and he'd play piano and we would, would, would sing together. It was, it was mad. And so we built this great rapport over music and he built the exact same one with Colin Devlin 
two years later. Um, and he said to me, so, you know, I'm sure you get this in the US as well. You know, you got your career guidance counselor when, when it's coming time to what are you, you know, what are you going to do with your life? So my career guidance counselor was like fucking dope and just like, well, why don't you know, why, why don't you, why don't you be an accountant or this, that and the other? I'm like, it's, it's, I'm useless at, at that. I'm like, I'm more of a creative type. Do you not have any suggestions of jobs like that? Um, so anyway, I, I, I left dismayed from that session. Anyway, the headmaster, about two weeks before school finished, she pulls me aside again. He goes, uh, so come here, what are you going to do? Like school's finishing soon. We have a leaving certificate, which is, you know, the entrance exam into universities. I said, well, I'm going to do the leaving cert and I'm going to go to university. And he, he said to me, don't tell your parents I said this. Um, I don't think you should do that. I think you should be a pop star. And they used those exact words. And it was very like old priest way of, of, of saying it. And I, I kind of laughed and was like, that is terrible advice from the headmaster of my school. Um, but thanks. And then he said, then he said, there's two people um, in all the years I've been here that I would, I would suggest that to. You're one of them. There's another guy. Uh, who's, who's left school now, I said the same thing to him. Um, and we ended up being in a band together. And that was, it was called um, It was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was weird. I mean, he, uh, he had a good ear. <laughs> he, was, you know, he was a great priest. Some of the stuff that he used to tell me, he was only like, I'm not going to cast aspersions. There was a lot of dodgy priests in that school. Like you've got to, you know, watch yourself, not be in a room alone with them. There was hands down, trousers left, right and center. You know, it was all all what you read in, uh, you know, in, in, in the media. Uh, but he, he was unique in that he wasn't like that. But he would say things to me like, um, oh, you know, such and such as mom. So he'd be talking about a, like, a, like kind of a MILF mom of one of my schoolmates. Uh, and there was one woman in particular, and she used to come in. She's quite a chesty, chesty lady. She wore a lot of leopard print. And uh, he goes, yeah, I've been propositioned a few times. Um, and I'm like, really interesting. And, you know, what about your vows? And he, he's like, well, yeah, you know, I can't do anything about it because of the, the vows. But, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's, uh, it's pretty flattering. Um, so he was, yeah, he was a cool priest. He was a headmaster that just spoke to you in normal in normal terms. Um, uh, he used to come and watch, you know, I, I, I kind of a school band. He used to come and watch us rehearse on, in a friend's house on, on Saturday afternoons and, and would be like, you know, 15, drinking a sneaky beer and he wouldn't care. Um, he was just, you know, it was great. So, you know, he was actually looking back and it just a, um, somebody I think about quite a lot uh, of being a big influence in my life. He's, he's actually the only one, you know, of a, you know, sort of senior paternal type influence that, that, that encouraged me to do music. Like it was a, not a thing to do in my family. You know, it was completely discouraged um, uh, in, 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 in my family. Like, you know, if my, if, if my dad, if I heard my dad coming up the stairs, I'd have to hide my guitar under the wow. bed um, and pretend I was studying. You know, it was that um, 
uh, I was the only one, I really wanted piano lessons. They wouldn't let me get piano lessons. Um, but all my other siblings got piano lessons and they all gave it up. But now, like, you know, I taught myself how to play the piano. I bought a baby grand, play it all the time. I'm not great, but I love playing it. But, you know, but I wasn't allowed to, I wasn't allowed to do music. I think maybe that's one of the reasons why I got so into it because, you know, the teenage rebellion thing. But it was a weird, you know, my, my parents are amazing in lots of other ways, um, but it was a weird uh, thing. I look at my own kids going, Jesus, why would you not, you know, why would you not encourage your kid to do something that they absolutely love? And clearly there's, you know, maybe a bit of talent there that, that, that uh, so, so, so he was a big influence in, in my life, that, that, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because he, I mean, he sounded less of a headmaster, less of a priest and more of a bro. Um, like he sounded like he was a good, he was a good dude. Um, it's interesting because I always think of Ireland. I think that music is such a huge part of the culture. Um, and it's, and also art writer, you know, the great writers and the great painters. It's interesting to see that your parents were sort of like, not that into the music side of things. It's kind of curious. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, it's, it's, it's part of, you know, growing up and where you grew up uh, in Ireland has a, you know, has a, a, it would have shaped, um, you know, how, how, how your outlook on, on life. So, you know, my dad born in 1936 in a place called Castle Island in County Kerry, you know, very poor family, one of eight, um, uh, worked his arse off and, and, you know, started businesses. So, you know, he, and he did, he did well, you know, he took care of us well, and he was a great dad in, in all those ways. And I think just because of the way he grew up, it was hard work, none of this, you know, highfalutin dreaming, you knuckle down and, and that's what you do. And that's what life is. And there was no room for anything else outside of, outside of that. That was just the way my, my family was. Um, and even to this day, like, you know, I, I told him, he's, he's what, 86 now, I told him the other day, oh, dad, my son was played on the radio. He just couldn't give a shit. Like, um, uh, yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't even ask a question about it. Wouldn't want to hear, wouldn't say, oh, can I have a listen? It's just, it's kind of hilarious now. We have a great relationship. But that part is kind of hilarious. I just laugh it off now. But you know, there was a long time where you'd go, "Give us, give me something here. Come on, you know." Well, okay, what if you said to him? Because I know what you're talking about. But what if you said to him, "My song was played on the radio," and then you hold up a bag with a dollar sign on it, and you go, "And I got this." <laughs> would that would that connect differently? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, there course, you go. Of course. I don't, I don't have the bag though, uh, Alex. The, the bag, the bag's non-existent currently, <laughs> and, maybe, and maybe forever. <laughs> I know what you mean though, because I think that that's the thing where, like, it makes sense where you go, "I did this creative thing, and here's the bag of money," and then the parents go, "Oh, now I connect it. Now it's connected because now I see, like, financially, um, yeah, that it's, yeah, it's reward." Yeah. I, it's a, you know, with the dad, it, my dad's the same age as your dad, and. It is uh, of the time where it's sort of like, why would you do something that doesn't pay, right? That doesn't yeah, make yeah. money. But there was a shift in your house because at 16, you bust acro uh, across Europe. You were busking across Europe. So clearly they they relaxed yeah. the reins a little bit or? No, he didn't know what I was doing. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, you know, there was, the, 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 there was that. That definitely wouldn't have been encouraged. Um, 
but you know, like, but I get it. It it is, you know, it was out of it was out of love and protection, um, in in his eyes, you know. Yeah. Just you know, cared. Want you know, once once you know, once you wants to be okay in life and 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 all of that. So I I get that, but you know what it what it missed was you know the biggest part of it all, which is happiness, and you know, and and maybe you know you know think about the fact that. Uh, okay, everyone needs to. Everyone needs to earn some money to to live. Um, you know, and, and particularly these days, needs to earn more because everything's you know gone gone so expensive. But but let's focus on happiness as number one, and then go from there. Uh, because there's you know there's ways and the way there's ways and means. So there's a friend of mine actually. He's um he's a composer. He's a, f- like a phenomenal musician. I actually played in a band with him in college, uh, and he was like. An economics major and just super smart and he after college he was working you know doing the sort of thing that that maybe my dad would have would have loved and one day he just went fuck this this is not what i'm on this planet for and uh he figured out that i'm gonna i'm gonna write music for a living that's what i'm gonna do and i'm gonna be successful at it so that's what he did you know and and maybe it took him couple of years of struggle but like he scored you know so many global like you know cartoon shows that went you know all around the world you know his royalty checks are unbelievable scored movies did you know he's doing what he was put on the planet for the thing that makes him happy uh, he's doing it on his own uh, and all that but you know he he kind of uh, he he probably had a, a a bigger set of balls than I did back then too, you know, because you know when somebody's in your ear all the time, you start kind of questioning maybe the validity. You start questioning, you know, your your ability, um, and and maybe you know maybe I am not maybe I'm not good enough at this to give it a go. So, you know, now at this stage a little bit more comfortable you know um uh that you know it's it's a lovely position to be in in a way that i don't i don't need this music to be successful i don't need to make money from it obviously it would be great it would be really helpful in 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 you know in in kids schooling and things like that but you know but we'll scrape by um but yeah so 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 that means i can just focus again on you know what I'm saying of just of of personal happiness and and if it happens and if other people like it great and I hope that happens and if they don't well you know I'm just going to keep doing it for me and and hopefully for you Alex yes for me for (laughs) sure because the thing the thing that you and I both understand that maybe our fathers of that era don't is that the happiness is the bag of money that's it yeah Absolutely. Yeah. Right. I, I couldn't be the kick that you get, the buzz that you, 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 you know, you get from creating something is, is amazing. You know, and you, you don't, I don't look at a paycheck at the end of the month that I get from my, you know, from my, my normal job and get any sort of buzz or emotion from that. It's no. just functional. You know, that, that's it. You know, I don't know. It has to be coming in or else, you know, the anxiety kicks in again. Oh, right. Exactly. <laughs> But, but yeah, you're right. I mean, there's 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 nothing delivered from that um, from the from the money part. Now, I actually really enjoy you know 
my my work life and and, and stuff that I do, and I and I have to, uh, I have to balance that as as I think most musicians, certainly in Ireland, you know, with the exceptions of you two and maybe you know Damien Rice or or Glenn Hansard, you know, there's a, there's a handful of of, of people who are fully self-sustained. Uh, okay, m- maybe more than a handful that you know can just do things, but most. Most people have to. They've got to. They've got to work as well as do music, and you know, and it's two jobs, and it's a lot of work. But you know, you do because you love it. I'm so glad that you're making music. I'm so glad that you are. It's a gold rush for you, and it's like what a brilliant, brilliant time. I feel the same way about my own writing right now. I feel like I'm just on fire, and it's just like I'm not asking any questions. I'm just doing it, and I'm and I'm never been happier. Never been happier, artistically. Well, congrats, congrats on that. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful place to be. And, you know, long, long, long may it continue. Um, so like, I, you know, I don't know if you feel the, the, the way that I do when I was explaining that, you know, this just the, all of these songs just keep, keep coming out of me. It's like, I, like, if if I didn't have to, you know, do, do a day job, there'd be, there'd, you know, just there'd be stacks and stacks and stacks then but you know i just you know to put a stop and release release something but i don't know if you if you have that fear of like shit i'm purposely turning off the tap now for a month i hope the water is still there when i turn it back on i kind of feel like it will be but um well no i actually i know that it will be because I feel like I feel like there's a it's almost like a state of enlightenment where it's sort of like you like you you get access to it in ways you didn't before you had it. So no, I would never worry about that. It's all it'll always be there. And I'm so happy you could be here uh, today with me and have this conversation. Uh, as far as your work goes, I have just always considered you to be one of the greats, and I think the world is finding out what I've known all along, which is you know you're a staggering talent pal thank you so much alec your star and congrats on on what you're doing It's, it's really wonderful that a boy in chords what a great guy such great music and listen i know you heard during that interview he was like oh i'm gonna send you a private playlist and he did and i listened to it all and it's phenomenal i mean it really is like staggeringly good and you're probably like well that doesn't seem fair alex gets access to all this music and i don't well that's not totally true because A Boy in Chords let me debut for you a song from that playlist. That was the one I just played. Did Sally Come Around is the name of the song, and that was an exclusive premiere. That has never been played or heard by anybody else until now, and now you've heard it. So big thanks to A Boy in Chords for sharing uh, the treasures from his secret, uh, his secret stockpile. And believe me, it is quite a stockpile.
a boy in cords on Instagram is where you need to go to find out what's happening with him. Uh, that is all one word, a boy in cords, C-O-R-D-S. Visit alexgreenonline.com to find out what's happening with me. There is a new book which will be out in December. I will be talking about it relentlessly. So visit the site, listen to the podcast. You're going to get it from all angles. Follow me on Twitter at Ember's Editor or on Instagram at Ember's Podcast or just email me, editor at stereoembersmagazine.com. Check out bombshellradio.com for all the information you're going to need to know about our radio station and what makes it tick. All day, all night, all year. Don't forget that Stereo Embers, the podcast, I'm sure it slipped your mind, that we're available on all podcast platforms. Go to the one that you use, subscribe, rate, and review, and tell every single person you come into human contact with. Let's close the show with a longer listen to Stupid Like That, the first single from A Boy in Chords. Enjoy it. And thank you, as always, for listening to Stereo Embers, the podcast only right here on Bombshell Radio. I'm constricted like that. I always got around it. And I'm constricted like that. You know the way around the way it's a game. Yeah.